welcome to What It Is, the part documentary, part roundtable podcast with a little sprinkling of competition. I'm your host, Ellie Main, and joining me, as always, is the amazing, the immaculate, the wonderful Chelsea Harfish. It's me, and I went on a walk today. You went on a walk? Oh my God, I've never been more proud of myself. (laughs) Connor and I went on a walk because, I mean, I think I've talked about this on this podcast, I feel like the uh, apocalypse we're all living through is ruining my body. Yes. Uh, I can't do anything without it being physically painful. Um, I I don't like that. No, it's bad. (laughs) It's it's bad. We decided to walk to... um, a farmer's market that was happening like I, I feel like nearby is a subjective term it uh, is something that I would have maybe considered nearby in a previous time but again as somebody who like doesn't move anymore right. it was incredibly far uh, but really proud of us the funniest part about it is that afterwards I was like huh I wonder how far that was so I went in my phone you know where like it tracks your steps yeah and it was fucking hysterical because it was like Hey, so today you have like already walked 10,000 steps. And I was like, hell yeah. And then it was like, however, (laughs) the past like the past 30 days, you've averaged about mm, 700 steps, which is pathetic. And it was like, so that kind of comes out to like a fun, cute average of like 3000 steps per day. And I was like, grossly inaccurate. (laughs) (laughs) And it was like, we really don't know what to do with this information because it seems as though you've been dead for several months and then you walked for like four miles today. So we don't really know what's going on with you. And I'm like, that's fair. And if you're okay. Yeah. They're like, I I have thought about like, uh, you know how my current, your former employer offers that thing where like you can get an Apple watch, but you, was it, you have to like move a certain amount or something or then you have to pay for it. There's like a weird thing. So I was like, should I do that? Because just for like the sheer like hilariousness of like the Apple Watch, like yelling at me and being like, hey, are you still alive? You haven't moved in like six hours. No, it sucks. It, and we just want to know if you're still alive. It tells you to alive. move and it tells you to breathe, breathe all the time and it's overrated. Okay. Well, I won't do it then. Yeah, don't. I planted a garden this weekend. How did it go? And also, are you going to make something big? <laughs> I want to. I want to make a big pumpkin. But okay. apparently pumpkins are really hard to grow and strawberries are really hard to grow. But I planted my whole garden and then the uh. next day I went to check about it to see that Chip had destroyed most of my plants. <gasps> no. Oh, fuck. Yeah, that he'd got Ellie. in and just walked around and laid down and been a little boy on all the plants that he didn't understand. So then today I went and bought chicken wire and had to like staple it to the beds so that he couldn't get in. <laughs> oh, jeez. Well, okay. That's probably for the best. I'm like, yeah. It was very depressing. Did do a little cry at my destroyed flower beds this morning. Oh, I think I would have cried. I also feel like that's like the kind of situation where I feel like I would have just given up and been like, well, I guess I will never garden again. <laughs> I guess I'll never do this again. This well, like, sucks. Because I get... I- I've never gardened, but like, I guess the closest thing I can think of is uh, one time I was building something in Minecraft. I had this like vision where I was like, what if I built like a kind of like a glass spire that like went up all the way to like the top limit of the world and then I poured lava in it and like lava was spiraling down through (laughs) it like from the top of the world to the bottom it was like how sick would that be you could see it anywhere and I wasn't playing in creative mode so I had to make all of that glass so I made like hundreds of pieces of glass so I had to have like all of this like sand and all of this coal and all this stuff 
and I made all this glass and I made scaffolding and I built this whole thing and I went all the way to the top. And then it was like... It goes all the, the way to the top. The, I went all the way to the top. And then at the top of it, I went to pour the, the lava in. And it was like, you can't have lava at the top. I don't know. It was like, there was like an error, basically. It was like, you can't do this. And I was like, okay, but I can't move glass. Because glass, like you can't... If you try to move it, it just breaks. Right. So then just something in my mind just like switched off in that moment where I was like I have been working on this for weeks <laughs> and now you're telling me it's impossible and that was like that was in like 2016 I turned the game off I didn't play Minecraft again for like four years oh my god that was your breaking point I was point. like I can't fucking do it. I just can't do this oh. and I feel like that's how I would have been with gardening yeah. if uh, if that had happened to me so good on you for perseverance thank you proud of you well, i really want these beetroot to grow that's like that's that's my thing i want i want to grow beets i have something for you go on first of all i'm making beets for dinner tonight oh i'm very excited i have a vision because like i said we went to a farmer's market so i got like I, you know that good feta yep i got that good I know exactly feta. what you mean so i'm gonna make rice bowls with the beets and some cauliflower and some chickpeas and that good feta. Yum. This is kind of a fact bang, but it's like a fact question. It's like, okay, so you know you and I, we have bits, right? Like we've sure. been friends for a long time. We've got our jokes. Yeah. We've been known to like we've been known to like be playful. Yeah. We've been known to like do a bit. Yeah. We've been known to maybe like bring a bit back. Yeah. We've been known to maybe annoy other people in our vicinity Always. with said bit. Yeah. There is a bit that I've been thinking about a lot and I've said a couple times recently like in mixed company <laughs> and then I realized I can't fucking remember where it came from. So I am filing a Freedom of Information Act request <laughs> with you for you to tell me if you can remember where this came from. Okay. okay? Yeah. Where did Lady This Is Woods come from? Oh, oh my God. Tell me. Lady This Is Woods. Okay. Okay, so... You remember? You do rem- okay, so you do remember. Oh, I do remember. Okay. It was one of my favorite moments. So please tell me. <laughs> like top five moments. Just moments. Top five just moments. Moments. So I used to work at a media company where we would occasionally make shorts that... No, that doesn't sound yeah, right. Yeah, it cost, it cost a, lo- a lot of money. And so there was this one time where we were looking for a location that was a woodland location. And just outside of Austin called Spider mm-hmm. Spider House Studios. I think it's called something else now. We went out there and they have like a bunch of indoor indoor studios and then like a bunch of outdoor locations. We were out there and y'all were out there. We were out there and we had like we we decided that, that we didn't need any of the studios, but we were looking at these outside locations. And one was just literally a bunch of trees and grass. Like it was just a woodland. And this lady like is touring us around and she goes, so this is, uh, you know, this is our woodland location. This is $5,000 a day. Uh huh. <laughs> and okay. Max, who was the art director on this project, Max, he's been on the pod a couple times. He lives in Bastrop. So he's just down the road and he lives on a ranch. So he has a bunch of woodland on his property. And so this lady goes, yeah, it's $5,000 a day. And he goes, Lady, this is woods. <laughs> <laughs> this is like, like what you can find next to the highway. To her face. Like, lady, this is woods. Oh my, that's so, oh my God. <laughs> and so ever since where it's like any situation 
where you need something that like should be free. It's lady, this is woods. Are you kidding me? Like this is woods. You want to charge me $5,000 to be in woods? And she was like, yes. yes. She's like, absolutely, uh-huh. I do. Yes. Oh my God. It was so good. Yeah, it was so funny. Good on Max. That was, what a classic bit. We ended up filming it on Max's property. <laughs> That's hysterical. <laughs> title is Catholic Wanta Vision. Okay, so <laughs> yeah. Right off the bat, you're saying you're not saying WandaVision. I'm not like saying WandaVision like the show. No. She's not. What what I'm doing, what? Chelsea, is capitalizing <laughs> on a popular trend and I'm sure. folding that into the title of my topic. <laughs> Can you spell the first part of that word that comes before vision. Yeah. So it's W A N T dash A dash vision. Catholic want a vision. Mm hmm. Yep. She can spell people. Okay. Okay. Well, no, I can't. Uh, so it's an achievement. <laughs> Is it about Catholics who want vision? In a way. <laughs> uh, are they hoping to have like a vision of like Christ or like the Virgin Mary? Yes, but how? I don't know. I mean, I'm I'm starting out like you know, just like uh, this is just like maybe a detective in a fuck house. I'm just like (laughs) finding clues. No, don't touch the walls because they're sticky. No, it's yeah, it's more buck wild than I think you could imagine. I'm very excited because you know I love some buck wild Catholicism. Bat shit. (laughs) Okay, Catholic want a vision. Is it? Is it something like along the lines of kind of like, like when we were talking about relics and like how the Catholic church is so good at kind of like monetizing. They're like the original influencers. They just find like every <laughs> single aspect of like what they're doing. And they're like, but what if you paid us for this? Some, Does it, is it somehow this is weirder? What? I know. Okay. Okay. Yeah. <sighs> um, I am so used to just thinking about, like, how can the Catholic Church be corrupt? I'm having a really hard time expanding my mind beyond, and I'm so excited to find out what it is. I can't wait to tell you. Okay. What is your title? My title uh, isn't going to give you a lot to go on, Uh, so I'm prepared to give hints. Okay. Ellie Ellie not mad, uh, because I think this topic's going to make you mad. Okay. So I'm kind of like putting it out there like an affirmation. I'm just like, I'm like, I don't think you're going to enjoy. Okay, so that's not true. I think that you are overall going to enjoy the topic. Okay. I think that when I first get into it, and that's kind of a hint, Mm. when I first like just Mm -hmm. get in there, I think you're going to be uncomfortable. Okay. Is it in a similar, (laughs) is it about Christianity in any way? God, I hope not. No, it is not. Okay. I don't think the Christianity. I, I think this is where God has fears to try. Is it about a porn? Kind of. Mm, a porn adjacent? Definitely. Um, definitely NSFW. Okay, so what would we qualify as not technically porn, but certainly not suitable for work? Certainly. 
Is it titty cosplay kind of stuff? You're getting warmer, but it's not exactly titty cosplay. Titty titty cosplay. Titty titty cosplay. 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 <laughs> um, no. Okay, but porn is in the realm. In the realm. Porn's in the mix. It's in the mix. Um, it's in the mix. Oh my gosh! I don't know. I don't know. Is it? I mean, I feel like <laughs> traffic would be too dark, right? <laughs> I mean, I don't think the traffic would be too dark, but it's not about human trafficking. Okay, well, then I am similarly stumped. All right. Dude, okay, so Catholic WandaVision. Okay, mm. I'm so excited. Okay, so from the 1960s, up until the 1990s, a guy called Father Pellegrino, like the sparkling water, Ernetti, claimed that he created a time machine called the Chronovisor, which he used to observe uh, the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. Oh, no. Yeah. And it was kept in the Vatican. Yeah. Uh, just say more. I don't even... Okay. Yes. What? So <laughs> it was said to be a device with the ability to see through time the existence of the chronovisor that's spelled C-H-R-O-N-O-V-I-S-O-R has okay. it's never been proved, hilariously, obviously, but, <laughs> but a 2002 book by the Vatican priest Father Francois Brun declares that this is a real thing. According to Father Brun, the chronovisor was developed by Father Pellegrino Anetti, a Benedictine monk, and it was mm-hmm. kept secret until the early 1960s when this monk confided in Brune his secret that 12 scientists, including famed physicist Enrico Fermi and former Nazi scientist Werner von Braun, helped him build a time machine. If you will remember, I did a topic about uh, Operation Paperclip, which is when the US got a bunch of ex-Nazi scientists and brought them to America during the Cold War to work on stuff. Right. Yeah. Yeah, totally fun and chill. Super fun and chill. Also recently, actually, that was quoted in a Marvel movie last night. Miles and I were watching Captain America the Winter Soldier because we've been watching through the MCU in timeline order because we hate ourselves and quarantine is murdering me. Right. And they talk about that in the Winter Soldier, they're like, oh yeah, Operation Paperclip when all the Nazis came to America to work on science stuff. And I was like, oh, okay. This is just, everyone knows about this. Anyway, Werner von Braun <laughs> was one of the guys who went to work in NASA who was a huge, big old Nazi scientist. So apparently- Oh, not Werner. Yes. Not Werner. Werner von that Braun? Right. That doesn't sound right. Yeah. <laughs> so, so he he apparently is part of making this quote unquote time machine. It's more like a time television, hence my title. The chronovisor was described as a large cabinet with a cathode ray tube that helps you to view received events with a series of buttons and levers and other controls that selected the time and location to be viewed. And apparently it could also locate and track specific individuals, but it worked by, according to its inventors, receiving, decoding, and reproducing the electromagnetic radiation left behind by past events and picking up the sound waves emitted by these same events in space. 
Uh, I mean, naturally. And you could come to that conclusion just walking down the street. Yeah, and that's exactly any day, obviously so. how it would work, you know? So it would receive these sound and light signals and all the wavelengths, and it would allow this team of scientists to document uh, and relive events of the past including, of course, the crucifixion of Jesus Christ, which as obviously being in the Vatican, they were very interested in. So they were like, hey, we've made a time machine slash time television that will validate the teachings of the Bible and will give us this firsthand look into the past. And it also, guess what? It's built by partly by a NASA engineer, Werner von Braun, ever heard of him. So that's how you know that it's for real. <laughs> um, Yeah. <laughs> what I love about this is that because like the like the sort of like myth and like a lure of a time machine is something that's been around for like centuries. Yeah. You know, like people love like to talk about like the idea of a time machine, of time travel, of we could find a wormhole. Yeah. A lack of full understanding of how like f- like academic physics works means that everybody believes that like Albert Einstein proved that time travel was possible. Right. Uh, which is kind of true and kind of not. Yes. Uh, but what I love about this is that it's a little bit simpler, which makes it so much more believable. Like they're like, hey, hey, no, I'm not saying I traveled through time. That would be insane. That would be like, crazy. Let's all agree. I'm saying. I'm just saying I can. See. I made a device which makes me see into the past. Yeah, I can't go and do stuff. That would be. That would I be mean, come wild. on, come on. Who don't believe anybody who would tell you that? <laughs> but now seeing time, very possible. It'd be different. It's all about. It's all about sounds and space. Come on, guys. Come on, guys. Guys. Come on. Get it. So there is a, <sighs> there was a book written in 2002 called Le Nouveau Mystère du Vatican. The New Mystery of the Vatican, right? And in it... Oh, that's exactly what it needed. Yes, a new of course, because the Vatican's not creepy enough. <laughs> <laughs> in it, Father Brun explains how he met Father Ernesti on a boat ride across Venice's Grand Canal in the early 1960s. And sure. turns out, oh my gosh, we're both really well-versed in the history of ancient languages. How crazy. Let's get chatting. We're both fathers. We're both in Venice. We're talking about ancient languages. Great, great, great. And then Ernesti's like, well, how about science? You know what? I have an idea for a pretty cool machine. <laughs> um, Science, I'm for it. Controversial? <laughs> Let's just crazy. Maybe not. So Father Brun <laughs> had been expounding on the many ways in which the Christian Bible could be interpreted. Then Annette goes, "Well, you know what? <laughs> like in like in a Bond movie, he's like, what if I had access to the truth via a time traveling device?" And Brun's like, "Tell me more." And Annette says. Me and a group of renowned scientists came together in a mutual quest to uncover the past. One of them was a guy called Fermi, and he won the Nobel Prize in Physics in 1938. Another was Werner von Braun, a Nazi, who now works at NASA. <laughs> and he helped get America to the moon. Wink, wink, wink. Oh, boy. Yeah, and he says, mm-hmm. I have that device. It has several antennae, three of which were made from mysterious metals that pick up sound and light waves across their res- entire respective spectrums that you wouldn't understand because it's a mysterious metal. And there's also a direction finder, which was literally what they called it. They called the part of this computer or whatever it was, this machine, a direction finder. And that, and that was tuned 
to the specific era that you wanted to view, right? So you'd be like, hmm, let me just like turn this knob to go to when Noah made the ark or like when Mount Vesuvius erupted, whatever I want to see, I'm going to turn my direction finder to that time. And a screen would tell me what I was going to see and record with my little videotape that was in there. (laughs) See, okay, this is... Actually, this is what I think is so interesting. Uh, and I've thought this about time travel stuff as well. Uh-huh. And and I mean, I'm sure there is a mathematical answer, but it's just like not the interesting one. And since all of this is theoretical anyway, nobody talks about it. But the way that we measure time is and has always been subjective. Like right. even right now, different cultures have different calendars. Yeah. And they me- we, have a, we have a world clock that measures like seconds and minutes and hours. But... Uh, in terms of like when when you're going back hundreds or even thousands of years, I feel like some of that starts to fall apart because we haven't always had that atomic clock. And also the way that we've measured time has been subjective and it's changed many times mm-hmm. before we had sort of like a global digital time tracking methodology, which we have now. Right. So like if you created a chronovisor or a time machine and you were like, I want to go back to see the crucifixion or, you know, like this specific thing. I don't know how the fuck you would do that. Like, <laughs> I don't know how you. Well, yeah, you'd be like, well, just, you know, like uh, year one. Duh. Duh. Like, like that doesn't mean the like there's there's got to be a specific formula. And also like it would be what if like you have somebody on the Julian calendar? Like then what the fuck are you? gonna do now you see they didn't i don't know if they really thought about it in those terms (laughs) sure yeah the blueprints that i'm looking at doesn't seem to account for different different calendars and different ways of measuring time doesn't seem like that was factored in which is interesting because (laughs) it only seemed to work so like how would right you're saying how would you find when these things happen because you're because you're an old white man living in the Vatican and everything works from your perspective. Oh, that sounds really nice. Yeah, doesn't that sound great? So they they argued that it was much more of a window into the past than a quote-unquote time machine. But it, as Annette said, it worked like a television catching echoes from days long gone that had been floating in space. God, I wish I was just allowed to like make up how things work for my job. It's so good. It'd be so fun. Here are the things that he that he said that he had seen. Annette recounted okay. that he witnessed Marcus Tullius Cicero's speech to the Roman Senate in 63 BC. He said, mm-hmm. oh, his gestures, his intonation, how powerful they were. What flights of oratory. As if he would be able to understand them. Annette made additional increasingly bolder claims. He said that he'd seen the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. He said that he'd witnessed, among other scenes, a performance in Rome in 169 BC of the lost tragedy Thiestes by the father of Latin poetry, Quintus Aeneas. Again, how would you find that? Yeah. How would you find it? Well. In like the whole of history. Because you have because you have the direction finder, Chelsea. Okay. The direction finder helps you get there. Come on. <laughs> Keep up. He said that he saw the founding of the Roman Empire, which is a really long period of history to have quote unquote seen, and the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. He yeah, mostly said, unsurprisingly, that he had taken a peek into some of the most important events in the Bible. So then in May 2nd, 1972, an Italian publication called La Domencia del Corriere published his claim 
titled A Machine That Photographs the Past Has Finally Been Invented. Oh, good. Okay. Finally. Uh, Finally. We have all been waiting. We've all been waiting for this. They published an alleged photograph from the chronovisor that Ernetti claimed captured the Romans crucifying Jesus Christ. A 1972 article also purported that Ernetti had witnessed the Last Supper and kept a photograph of the biblical event for himself. He's not going to show anyone. He's like, you know, I was there and I did see it, but you can't, you guys can't see the photo. Mm-mm, no, it's not for you. That's just for me. It's like a master class in like how to succeed without really trying. Yeah. I'm just like, yeah, no, you uh, make up trade secrets and then you say, oh, wow, you want to see my secret? No, you actually can't see it. It's actually very actually secret. And this is my secret time traveling Vatican machine and you can't come. <laughs> Annetti maintained until his death in 1994 that the machine had been hidden away by the Vatican in order to safeguard it from falling into the wrong hands like some MCU shit. And interestingly, the Vatican decreed in 1988 that anyone using an instrument of such characteristics would be excommunicated, which I don't really get why they would care enough about such an audacious lie to, to be like, now if I see you using a fake time machine television, I'll be angry. <laughs> To me, I feel like that's kind of like revealing the plot, right? Right. Is that this chronovisor, like this this quote unquote real time machine television, can be used to bolster maybe certain ideas mm-hmm. or doctrines that oh, yeah. are valuable to the church. Could certainly and be therefore, used against the Vatican, absolutely. Right. So then it's like, okay, well, if this is very powerful in our favor, it absolutely cannot be powerful against us. <laughs> That cannot be allowed to happen. We cannot let that happen. Yeah. An anonymous relative of Father Annetti claimed that there was a deathbed confession where he had basically said that the picture that he'd taken of Jesus Christ dying on the cross was a lie and that he'd written the entire lost play (laughs) to like back up his own lie, that he had like admitted to all of that. But then a different source came out and saying that actually, no, the machine was genuinely functional. And Annetti did write an open letter adamantly reiterating that the device was real. And he claimed that Pope Pius VII forbade us to disclose any details about this device because the machine is very dangerous and it could restrain the freedom of man. I mean, of course. Yeah. Obviously. Well, duh. Oh, this is dark. (laughs) I know. He produced this photograph that he said, this is a picture that I took through my chronovisor of the real Jesus dying on the cross. And it just so happens to be an extremely up close picture of just a face, like very, very up close. And it maybe, you know what? Maybe it does look like a painting that had been created long before, like almost sort of exactly the same. Maybe it does. But no, this is a this is a real photo, and that's just how all of this stuff works. After his death, uh, a lot of people looked into all that stuff and and found that the the photo that he reproduced that he said that was from the chronovisor was a very cheap reproduction of a statue that was housed in an Umbrian church. <laughs> Um, and then another place managed to argue that it was kind of it was basically a reversed image from a postcard from an Italian town. Oh my god! That he uh-huh. was like, "Here's a picture that I took," and everyone was like, "Wow!" It's like, no, he just 
No, wow. just just took wow, just took a postcard and and reversed it and was like, see. So you're saying that like it it was like the Catholic time travel equivalent yeah. of uh, when you see a hottie on Tinder and then you do like a reverse Google image <laughs> search and you find out that it's like an Abercrombie model. Yes, and then they just stole their photo. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> here's my here's my favorite part of it. Is, okay, is tell that me. An article revealed that the, all the blueprints was essentially stolen from a 1947 sci-fi book. Oh, no. It was literally from a science fiction novel. But despite so all good. of this, the other bloke, Father Brune, completely believed in this all the way through, like never doubted it and always fought the case until he died in 2019. He he died a believer in the chronovisor until that time. And so the sort of the aftermath of it is split. It's somehow remains hotly contested with Von Braun, Fermi, Annetti, and Brune now dead. As you can guess, the coronavirus and the alleged existence of this machine has fueled a real fun slew of conspiracy theories, such as the device was seized and is actually used by the Vatican now, and that's how they secretly control governments and economies all around the world. Of course, some people have brought it up in conjunction with the coronavirus, that like this is has all been seen through the coronavirus and that's how they know what's going on. Like this is now the Catholic Church's ultimate tool of control. Mm. The coronavirus has stood the test of time as a Vatican mystery for the ages. And that is my story about WantaVision, the Catholic time traveling <sighs> television. shit. That really was a lot wilder than I thought <laughs> we were going. So, uh, you know what? Promised and delivered. <laughs> yes, that was very good. Already, you're going to go ahead and start with eight points because you told me something about Catholicism that I did not know, which I well, deeply enjoyed. you can enjoyed. look into time through a television? Yeah, they have a spooky time television. <laughs> that was not something that was on my Catholicism bingo card. <laughs> Another four points just for the detail that... They straight up fucking stole the blueprints from a science fiction novel because, like, that is some, uh, that's some, not Mormons, who are the Scientologists. That's like, oh, it that's is. It's like right, right out of the Scientology playbook. So good. So that's and strong. just like, and what? Come at me, bro. Uh, I have to take off one point uh. because, uh, as one of our friends in our patron chat, as we're recording this, has pointed out, it is technically possible to view the past. Because of space, because, I don't know, something, something, that movie with Matthew McConaughey where they go into space and time is different. Thank you. Uh, That, like, if you are far enough away, because of light years, right, like, light takes time to travel, like, if you are far enough away, you could hypothetically see, like, a previous version of sure, Earth. Sure, sure. Uh, and I find that frightening, and I don't want to hear it again. <laughs> I don't like that. And they would have... Yeah, and I don't actually like that, so I'm going to take a point away. But I am going to take... I am going to give you... Two more points back after that, uh-huh. uh, because we had to stop and like re-record the intro because I messed up and you were sweet about it. Oh well, you're welcome. Are you nervous? Should I be? Yes, now. Yes, I am now. <laughs> Well, you remember the title is Ellie Ellie Not Mad. That's so right. That's right. You're not going to be mad. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> yeah. I'm ready. 
So my caveat is, first of all, you like there are going to be some things in this that are like hella not safe for work. Okay. That I don't think are going to be like Ellie's favorite thing. Um, <laughs> but you know that like I love with my wet topics for it to be like, let's talk about this thing and let's jump off. And this one especially, I really want it to be discussion style. Okay. So like, feel free to jump in at any time. Okay. I think we're going to have a little bit of fun. So to get things started, I want to ask you, what is your favorite genre of like fiction or, you know, creative material, I guess? I'm so glad you asked. Okay. I recently discovered this. My friend Beth, her favorite genre of like, well, I don't know if it's her favorite, but like her favorite social genre of fiction is bad disaster movies, right? Mm-hmm. Like probably has the rock in it. There's definitely some natural disaster, and at some point, absolutely, someone is going to say, "Hey, chief, you're going to want to take a look at this." Like, oh yeah, that's my mom's favorite. Yeah, genre of anything is disaster movie. Yeah, amazing. I've discovered that my version of that is adventure archaeological movie. Like, give me a national treasure, give me an uncharted, give me Tomb Raider. I want to have puzzles. I want to have artifacts. I want to be jumping and running through things that are exploding. Give me Indiana Jones. Give me all. That's my that's my ish, which makes sense mm-hmm. of who I am as a person on Earth today. That's me. I guess that's adventure. Um, adventure. I don't know. Adventure. Is that just like adventure movies? Yeah, probably. Does, well, I was going to ask you, how important to it is like treasure? Like is the idea of like a thing that, not necessarily like monetary treasure, but like um, a thing at the end of the rainbow, like a thing that you're trying to get. I like is it. Is that like a is that a core part of it? Well, or like a maybe like a common motif. It's, it's a motif. Like it fuels the genre, but I'm I'm there for the puzzles. You know what I mean? Right. But like, no, there so- has to be a treasure or like the the a physical goal, especially in those movies of like you know the Declaration of Independence or uh, a, a or a golden crown in a tomb that a white person has no business trying to find. Oh, totally. Yes, 100%. Right. And I love how much they tried and really failed to uh, grapple with that like issue in the third Tomb Raider yes, game. Yes, yes, yes. Where they were like, hey, we've heard you. Mm. We see you. We see that and we're we not going to address that. We... We get that Laura Croft is a millionaire colonizer uh, and that she does go to all these mm-hmm. uh, other countries around the world. But what which is actually, if, I thought that- actually, if we gave her the outfit of the people, maybe it's okay. And everyone's like, no, no, it really isn't. Nope. But I digress okay. because you've actually already stumbled upon, because <gasps> uh, you're so smart. Oh my God. What I was kind of getting at with asking that question, which is that I feel like, you know, maybe not even like 10, 15 years ago. That question only had a handful of answers, right? Uh Like, you're like, oh, I'm like real into comedies or like I'm a sci-fi dude or whatever. Uh And I feel like with the democratization of content, not just because of like all these independent channels and platforms, but also just the sheer amount of content that is now being created by like Netflix and Hulu and Amazon. We have podcasts now, we have fictional podcasts, and we have this whole 
ecosystem of social media to talk about it. Mm-hmm. Now it's not just like, oh, I like comedy or I like horror. Or I like uh, adventure movies. It's I like disaster movies that have like a global emphasis or <laughs> okay. like you like, I like adventure movies that yeah. <laughs> I like adventure movies uh, that have like complicated puzzles that people need to solve. Yeah. Or like if you were to ask me, Chelsea, it's like, I like very slow burn crime stories mm-hmm. that have like, um, like a personal or like multi-generational issue like at the heart of it and I think that's something that's really cool that's happening with genre I think you can even see it and I I often think like this is how you know right it's like these things these changes they start they start in subcultures and they start on the micro level and then you know it's become mainstream when you start to see like at the Barnes and Noble bookstore, it's not just the young adult. It is like this is young adult dystopian, and this is right. young adult paranormal yeah. romance. Okay, so this is young adult angels. Of previous uh, wholesome genres, right? Like Lady, this is angels. Uh, <laughs> Lady, this is woods. Lady, this is woods. <laughs> uh, the genre, and I find that really fascinating because I think. Like I said, that it starts in this micro level. It starts in subcultures. It starts with things that people often ridicule, right? Or like they kind of treat as like a lesser form of content. There's no medium that is responsible for more new and emerging genres Mm -hmm. that is more ridiculed than fan fiction. (laughs) Sure. Is this getting into Uh, the point where Ellie's not going to like it? Yes. Okay. A hundred percent. Okay. Because what I want to talk about is a genre that comes to us from fan fiction that is just now starting to become mainstream. And my Chelsea Chelsea prediction is that like in the next 10 years, it will become, we will see like TV shows and movies and podcasts with this as like a accepted genre but i'm so fascinated to see a genre that like i unlike really any other i'm hard pressed to think of another genre that literally started in fan fiction like it can be traced because fan fiction is all online so therefore it's all archived and that is of course the omegaverse i have no idea what that is okay so i think (laughs) oh yes okay so i i think maybe when i start talking about it you might But if you don't, this is going to be so much fun. Either way, it's going to be so much fun. So the Omegaverse is a genre of fan fiction that is... (laughs) I see people already typing in the patron (laughs) chat. They're like, holy shit. (laughs) Okay. The Omegaverse is a genre of fan fiction incredibly popular. We're talking hundreds of thousands of stories. It is great because like any true genre, it has its own rules that it must follow, but it really can be attached to almost any kind of story. It's it's almost less a narrative arc the way that like a horror or comedy or romance would be and more of like a set of shared, it's like a, a shared universe that stories can exist inside of. So in, in that way, it's almost more like maybe like fantasy or sci-fi. Okay. Where it's like you can tell all kinds of sci-fi stories, right? Like you can tell like a sci-fi romance or a sci-fi action story. Yeah. But there's like this set of like rules and aesthetics that make it sci-fi. So this is what the Omegaverse is. The Omegaverse imagines a world in which men live in a very specific hierarchy that is based on 
animal behavior, physiology, and psychology. So what you have is you have A slash B slash O is the other term for Omegaverse. And those stand for alpha, beta, and omega. Now let's huh. let's just go ahead and <laughs> let's just go ahead and dig into some of these terms. Okay, please. So in this world, first of all, let's let's pick a universal existence. Maybe like you were just talking about the MCU earlier, so we'll do this in the MCU to make it easy. We do it. T- can sorry, can we do it in Twilight <laughs> instead? Because like I can we do Twilight? Does that work? <laughs> Yeah, is it because you're still watching MCU yep. movies? Yep. And- <laughs> you're like, yes, exactly. Okay. So let's say we're in, well, this gets complicated, but it's fine. We'll do it in Twilight. <laughs> we're just going to, because like I said, it's it's very, it's, it's based in animal behavior and physiology. Okay. So you have alphas. Uh, let's say that maybe like Carlisle Cullen is the alpha. <laughs> okay. Alphas are... Everything that, like, that term also signifies just in, like, colloquial language. So leaders, aggressive, strong, macho, you know, the ones that are, like, the f- like the first to pick a fight, right? Right. They're the ones that are, like, leading the battle. Um, they're the ones that provide and protect their – provide for and protect their entire family. However, in this Omegaverse, this extends beyond just sort of like personal traits. Uh-huh. So an alpha – has a like a special alpha penis mm-hmm. that has a knot in it like dogs no! have. Yes. So uh. alphas <laughs> alphas uh go into ruts which are kind of like heat but for an alpha and then they've got to find themselves an omega. Like they've got to get an omega so that they can impregnate it and it like takes over their brains. Uh. Uh, because in this world the other type of man is an omega. Omegas are like beautiful and kind of like a little bit more frail they're prone to histrionics they're uh very like family and emotion oriented and then they are also men who are able to become pregnant and like their Mm. lives kind of center around being mated to an alpha so you want to be mated to like the best possible alpha okay male omegas Similar to like uh, a human vagina can lubricate, self-lubricate. That's like one of the core like factors of being an Omega. Uh, They don't, they call it slick. So it's like, can you make slick? Because you're like an Omega. No. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm just just to let you know, I'm going to have these visceral reactions and then I'm going to try and like bring myself back into being open-minded. So if you you might sure. hear that and then I'm coming okay yeah okay yeah so like you know like an alpha can smell an omega in heat an omega is attracted to like an alpha's like musky scent you know uh-huh. uh, yeah one of the things that I read kind of breaking down like the ABO terms yeah pointed out and I thought this was really unnecessary they were like alphas are always on top during reproduction <laughs> and it's like yeah okay we've we put that together. So then this is what I think is really fun, right? Like that's very much a binary, right? You have alphas and you have omegas, first, last, top, bottom, yeah. so on and so forth. <laughs> betas, betas come into play and that's what makes it A-B-O. And this is something I think that's like very unique to the genre. So betas aren't just like lesser alphas. They are kind of their own thing. Uh-huh. What's cool about it is depending on the story that you read, 
they are either just like kind of like everyday human men. So therefore, like they can neither impregnate men nor be pregnant, impregnated by other men. They do not have the same scent sorry, politics sorry. that like alphas and omegas can have I, with can each I other. Give you a, can I time out for a second? Okay. Are these men wolves? No. So they just look like everyday men. Right. But alphas have like a knotted penis <laughs> and omegas... <laughs> can get pregnant and have like a self-lubricating okay, so, anus. So we're men, we don't become wolves, but we sort of exist no. in a in a place where we're we're living by like wolf rules. Yes. So that's what, that's what I'm saying. It's like you overlay this sort of like animal both like the animal hierarchy, like if you think about like a pack of dogs, yeah. like that hierarchy, but also like the physical traits are present as well. And so but it's not like they're like living in the woods, like living like animals. Like, ima- okay, so I know we were trying to do this over Twilight, but like this will just make it easier because I had this written down to talk about it anyway. The first time that I personally interacted or like saw ABO fan fiction, and this is painful to admit, so like circle of uh, trust, uh, respect, and understanding and trust was One Direction Real Person Flash. <laughs> And it's because I used to, back in the day, follow a bunch of Larry blogs, which if you're not familiar with Larry blogs, uh, they are blogs that truly believed slash believe that Harry Styles and Louis Tomlinson from One Direction uh, are, were, will always be in love. You you showed me a lot of this. Yeah, there's a, you can watch a lot of videos on YouTube of just like every moment that they've ever touched and just would like set to music and it's like, damn, they're so in love. Right. So... <laughs> So Larry blogs, and then from Larry blogs, it was just a hop, skip, and a leap to Larry fiction, fan fiction. And then a, a couple of times, I was like, I don't know what this tag means. Better go check it out. And then I was like, oh. And so in those worlds, and I'm like, that's not an O like I'm judging. That's an O as an I didn't know this is where we were going. Uh, <laughs> because it is confronting the first time that you read that Harry Styles has a knot in his penis. Because Harry Styles was always the alpha, and Louis Tomlinson was always the omega of in these stories. Yeah. Naturally. Yeah. Betas are like the peacekeepers between alphas and omegas. Because in this world where, like, the sexual politics, like, overtake everything. In, like, the Omegaverse stories, for example, like, a lot of times omegas can't have jobs. Like, they won't be hired. <laughs> Only alphas can work. What? Omegas are That's literally right. just meant to be This whole thing extends bred. into capitalism? <laughs> That's what I'm, no, this is like, that's why it's called Omegaverse. This is like, imagine you live in a world where everything else is the same, where you can play that Tomb Raider game, but the Tomb Raider game was only made by alphas, alpha men. No. Yeah, because they were, they're the ones that work. And like, obviously, again, because this is like a very loose, just like, you know, fantasy, there are certain like motifs that are common throughout everything, but people play with it, right? So like, sure. there are some stories where like omegas are, you know, like the lowest like sort of cast. Like there's like a caste system, and like alphas are at the top, and omegas are at the bottom, and they have almost no rights or they can't work. There are other stories where omegas are more like prized, you know, and like alphas like compete for like omega's affection. What's really interesting about this is that obviously this has like very much a basis in queer fan fiction because it really is about like these complicated romantic and sexual relationships between male characters however they're playing with like gender stereotypes and like gender binaries (laughs) that 
have their basis in like some heteronormative stuff, but that's not to say that it's heteronormative because it's not. It's based on animal. Like, lady, this is animals. Lady, this is wolves. Like, lady, this is wolves. <laughs> so fucking fascinating. I am like fascinated by it. And I have read a lot of it, not because it's like necessarily my favorite genre, but because again, I just... I, I feel like it's like this birth of this new genre. It's like, what if people had to play by animal rules, I guess, yeah, is the way that like they've gone back. I think it's really interesting. Another one that I, that I see a lot is like catching. Like they, like if an Omega catches, it's like, that's how they, like, that's their term for getting pregnant. Like it is, it has all the markings of a genre, <laughs> uh, which is why I believe that we're going to see it. But it's in- Oops All Boys. It's Oops All Boys. There are, it's it's way less common, but there are like female, female, a, like Omegaverse stories that you can find where female alphas can impregnate female Omegas. So the idea is that like either when they're in a rut, they form a penis, like a penis emerges. Aww, or wouldn't that be nice? <laughs> wouldn't that sure be something? You're just having a bad or day that, like, and you get they- a dick? <laughs> Or like you just get like a whiff of like a real hottie and you get a dick. You're like, Whoa, I have a dick now. Well, okay. Because I'm just so fucking strong. I guess I'm strong as hell. Guess I'm strong. I do find the not thing. I think that is the one that is like the most difficult for me. Yeah, it's tough. As like a, as like a person. And again, like I'm not yucking somebody else's yum. They are very clear again that, I mean, most, again, most of them, because obviously non-con is its own sort of subgenre yeah. in fan fiction. They're clear that these are not animals, that they are people. And these people are in consensual relationships uh, and that they are adults. So. Well, let me throw something at you that's embarrassing. Tell me. Until today. And while you were talking, I did some supplementary research. I thought sure. that. When, when, because we've talked about knotting before, as as upsetting as that is, that <laughs> I, I thought it was like a literal knot, like oh yeah, like a twisty tie. In it. you thought like their penises kind of like did a little twist, a little loop de loop, and then went back through them and made a little knot. Oh no, no, it's just like a big bulge in a certain area that forms. Yeah, that's embarrassing. And for you know me. why that is, right? <laughs> so they can't get away. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you should have a talk with your son Chip about that. Well, he has like, it's not the cool. tankiest little dinky. I don't think that's <laughs> going to be an issue for him. Oh, poor sweet. <laughs> He's also fixed, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Good for him. So the other thing that I think is so fascinating about the Omegaverse is, like I said, unlike, uh, honestly, I feel like this is true of like more traditional genres. It's hard to say like what the first comedy or like what the first horror is like people will be like oh this is like our first sort of like this is like the first like most famous one or this is our first <laughs> documented one or this is the oldest one that we found in existence but you can't really say right but like with ABO you can really say where ABO came from <laughs> and like most dark corners of the internet it came from supernatural sure <laughs> yes that makes sense this is where it has been traced to the horniest show the fucking horniest show in the world uh Basically, Supernatural, huge fandom online. In May 2010, somebody posted a kink meme prompt, which like, if you are not spending a lot of time in like fandom communities on Tumblr or Twitter or wherever, then you might not be as familiar with this practice. But I mean, I've seen it like a billion times, which is like you have a community and they all like the same thing. 
And then you have somebody who just gives out prompts where they're like, like I would see them a lot on Larry blogs where it was like prompt, Harry is teaching Louis how to drive. And then people will just write stories off of or write stories or create art, like draw pictures or make like a fan cam edit Uh based on this idea of like, what if like Harry Styles is teaching Louis how to drive, which is hysterical because Louis is like three years older than Harry. (laughs) But again, it's because everybody was like, well, obviously Harry is the top and Louis is the bottom. So like Harry's going to teach Louis how to drive, whatever. So this is the prompt that uh, according to fan lore started the ABO subgenre. <laughs> AU, their world is just like ours, dot dot dot, except dot dot dot. In their world, there are two types of men. One is the alpha male, the other is the bitch male. Alpha males are like any ordinary guy with the exception of their cocks. They work just like dog cocks, uh, parentheses, the knot, tons of cum, etc. Chelsea's edit note, I do not associate dog cocks with tons of cum. <laughs> That's not a thing that like, I guess I don't think about dog cocks really at all. <laughs> but if I do, like if a ca- an occasion arises, yeah, really, like if I'm going to think about anything, it's going to be the knot because it's scary. <laughs> but I'm not just like, oh man, dogs are known for just like all that cum. So I think that's really interesting that this person Yeah, that's put what that they in focused there. on. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm really not mad. Carry on. Uh, So so back into the, this is back into the quote. Uh, The bitch male is just an ordinary guy without the special cock. I'd like to see alpha male Jared and bitch male Jensen. Again, Chelsea's editor (laughs) note, Jared, Jared Padalecki and Jensen Ackles are the two stars of Supernatural. (laughs) So this is a, this is a prompt for a real person slash about the two actors in Supernatural. When he's being annoying, I'm going to call Miles bitch male Oh, I will tell you that one time I was in a three and a half hour car ride with uh, Connor and his uh, two co-workers because he used to work at a job where he only had two other co-workers and they were his friends. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, hey, what do you guys think your ABO like lineup would be? Oh, no. Uh, <laughs> and that really that really tested that friendship sure. and that car ride. Sure anyway, back to the quote. <clears throat> I'd like to see alpha male Jared and bitch male Jensen. Jensen is a snotty prude, parentheses, think lady from Lady and the Tramp. He may be a bitch male, but he's not just going to let anybody take a go at his sweet little ass, dot, 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 until he meets Jared, dot, dot, dot. Then prudy little Jensen turns cock slut for Jared. Bonus points for J2 being OTP. Jensen was a virgin before Jared, and now that they've met each other, it's for life. <laughs> Completely up to you if mating happens just anywhere, like in the middle of the sidewalk, in a park, etc., or on a more private level. What? So that was the original prompt that started it all. This guy was just like, or I shouldn't say guy because we don't know who the person was. This person was just like... I need a story. Somebody write me a story where Jensen is Lady from Lady and the Tramp and they're like OTP and they fall in love and Jared has a special cock. A special, special little cock. <laughs> special, special little dog cock. <laughs> 11 years later, here we are. It's its own huge thing. This is where I want to get to the whole mainstream thing that I've been teasing. A couple years ago... It did go mainstream. 
in the sense that there was a big lawsuit that happened no. that centered around ABO and required all of these sort of like mainstream news outlets what? to explain to their readers what, what it is Omega versus, which is very funny. Um, but it's also, the story is kind of a cautionary tale for fan fiction and like, I guess sort of like emerging genres and emerging mediums uh-huh. uh, because it's an example of how mainstream media was able to kind of like weaponize the way that fan fiction works like fan fiction is very democratic right because at its essence you're starting with something that doesn't belong to you you're starting with like characters or storylines or a universe that somebody else has created that you're a fan of and then you build upon that right like that's what fan fiction is so i think because of that people are very open and democratic like this person who was desperate to see Lady in the Tramp dogcock Jensen Jared <laughs> never once thought never once thought to put like a TM at the end, right? right? And now this has just grown into this huge thing that like all sorts of fandoms use for their stories. However, in 2016, a romance author named Addison Kane released a book called Born to Be Bound. <laughs> and <laughs> yes. And it is a traditional kind of like het romance story, but it has a lot of this like Omega verse genre stuff in it. Like it has like a male alpha. I think it is a female Omega. Uh, there's nodding. It's all like they use words like mating. So that book comes out in 2016. In 2018, Kane and her publisher filed a lawsuit against another author named Zoe Ellis, who wrote a book called Crave to Conquer. Uh, and then this is what's complicated, is that basically Addison Kane was like, Zoe Ellis, you stole my idea because your story also has an alpha male, an omega female, uh, and like, you know, has like this uh, hierarchy Lady, this of is position. Yeah, it's like, Lady, this is like, this is Omega first. <laughs> like, um, and that was kind of their point. Like, that was Zoe Ellis's oh. defense. She was like, you don't own this. This is, this has been going on for years in fan fiction. This is, this is not just for you. And so, but here's, here's the problem. So the lawsuit was dismissed by... It was dismissed with prejudice by the Virginia courts in 2019. And the reason that this is important is because this was actually a success for fan fiction, because what the court was saying was, you can't prove that you owned this. Whereas like if it had gone the other way and they had sided with Addison Kane, the original author, they would have basically been verifying her claim that she was a, that, like she owned Omegaverse type right, stuff. Exactly. Which would have really sucked. And so I think that this is like a thing that we're going to see happen more and more because there are a lot of like emerging genres and motifs and storylines and I guess like worlds, sort of like creative worlds. I think even that is like a weird way to think about it, right? Like we don't think about that when you we think about like mainstream. Right. You can't you don't get to own that fiction. World. Right. But like now it's like in kind of like uh, emerging mediums like fan fiction, you have just like worlds that people like to play in, like mm-hmm. the Omegaverse, and they'll put any kind of story in there. Uh, and who owns that? And I hope that nobody gets to. 
I, yeah. and, the, and the last thing that I want to say, when you go to a bookstore or even when you go on like Amazon, you search again, you search for like, I want romance or you could maybe kind of get into like, I want dystopian romance. I want courtroom drama. I want, well, like two words or whatever. You go into like archive, archive of our own AO3 is like the biggest, you know, kind of fan fiction repository you can get as fucking specific as you want because they have a complex like deep tagging system oh. where it's like you can be like like you ellie main could <laughs> go in and be like okay i want to read a story that's at least thirty thousand words <laughs> that has david Tennant as the 10th doctor Ooh. but it only only in situations where he is in a relationship with rose oh. i don't want him in a relationship with anybody else uh. i want these themes I don't know. I'm just making sure. No, you're really doing it for me. <laughs> okay. But what I'm saying is like, you can put in things like, I want hurt comfort. Like hurt comfort, like that's my Chelsea Arfouche's bread and butter where I'm like, give me a fucking hurt comfort fic immediately. Immediately. Draco Ginny hurt comfort, that's my shit. So that is my topic on ABO. May I give so you that's points? that's what I think. Oh my God, I would love points. I'm a little nervous. Okay. But I, I have a lot. Points. I've written a lot down here. She's written a lot down. So we've got 10 points to start for Harry and Liam's love. Harry and Louis. Sure. Harry and Louis's love. I'm so sorry. We've got 10 points for Harry and Louis's love. Uh, minus four points for knots, because horrifying. Uh-huh. But then plus three points back for wolves in general. <laughs> sure. Uh, just, you know, like a wolf. Then minus three points for tons of cum. That was an upsetting moment. Oh, that was that was difficult. That was for a me, tough and point <laughs> in the in the topic. <laughs> I've got I've got one point that I've just titled "Oops, all dick." <laughs> <laughs> is that when I told you that it's all boys? Yeah, I think so. Like this is like a boys thing. Yeah, I, I think so. Yeah. But all it says is "Oops, all dick." That's great. So let me add that up for you. That's six <laughs> plus this nine. That's back to six. Seven. 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 Seven overall. That's great. I'll take a seven overall. For, for, a, for a topic did. that you knew would upset me. For what me. I've done. <laughs> yeah. So. Well, listen, I thought that you would like, and I think you did, like the discussion about like fan fiction is like emerging genres. I did. And like yeah. what that means. I did enjoy that. But was... I knew that you wouldn't love the nodding and the tons of cum. Yeah. And you didn't. <laughs> so. Yeah. <laughs> Correct. Yeah, you you guessed right. Yes, you you guessed right. Okay, Chelsea. Uh huh. Thank you for bringing me that. <laughs> You're so welcome. You Ellie, I would do it any time. I would do this for. I would do this any time for you. Anytime you ask, just call me and I will tell you. I know all about it. <laughs> Chelsea, where can people find you? People can find me at Chelsea Harfouche wherever internets are sold, with the exception of TikTok, where they can find me at Thought Leader with two R's. Yes, yes, they can. And you can find me at Ellie Maney on Twitter and Ellie Main on Instagram. And you can find this podcast at WhatPod, that's W-U-T-P-O-D, on Instagram and Twitter and Patreon. And you can find our website at thosegirls.club. Thank you so much for listening and I will see you next week. And in the meantime, I don't know, maybe go learn something. Keep it loose. Keep it tight. <laughs> Say your prayers at night. <laughs>